This is the Bob McCallan Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. John Shannon, Dave Hodge in today. Lots to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about baseball, uh, maybe a little NFL later, as uh, McCowan shows up to discuss the success of the 6-3 and three Cleveland Browns. Uh, but first, we have to talk about the big news in the hockey world, uh, David, that we woke up to yesterday. Jay Woodcroft, out. Dave Manson, out. Uh, and a new coaching staff with Chris Knobloch and Paul Coffey going behind the bench for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, who play the New York Islanders Monday night. Yes, um, the big que- I'll ask you the big question, which seems to be uh, rolling around uh, for those who want to... Um... Uh, you know, <laughs> twist this uh, in uh, in any other different ways other than it was pretty obvious that uh, this was going to happen. Uh, how much input did the players and specifically Connor McDavid have? There seems to be uh, mixed uh, signals coming from uh, from management. I don't think they. I don't think they had very much at all, if any. Uh, I think that uh, in, in some ways the the two, the three decision makers of this beyond the owner. Because, you know, I think we have to be realistic here. It starts with the owner. But I think Paul Coffey was part of the decision-making process. I think that Jeff Jackson was part of the decision-making process. And obviously, Ken Holland had to execute the plan. Um, this is this was supposed to be a transition year in Edmonton. Ken Holland is on the last year of his contract. Um, you know, he will not be back next year, I don't think, uh, by his own choice, not by club choice or ownership choice. And so Jeff was supposed to transition, and and Paul has been put in a p- place uh, by the, by ownership to be an advisor, a, a consultant, um, and I think that that triumvirate started that decision making on, uh, well, I guess it would have been around ten thirty five Mountain Time on Thursday night after the three two loss to the San Jose Sharks. Well, McDavid's influence on uh, on the organization can't be. Uh... Avoided, and we can start with uh, with, with the owner, Daryl Cates, uh, hiring Jeff Jackson, uh, and now Jeff Jackson presumably hiring Chris Knobloch. Um, you know the chain goes back to uh, junior hockey, where uh, where McDavid was uh, was first noticed, and mm-hmm. uh, and now uh, all three of them, agent, uh, former junior coach, and um, and player are are with Edmonton. Um, I, I think that can't be a coincidence. No, I I, I mean I, I don't think it's a complete coincidence. But at the same time, when you look at um, how do I say this? The old boys club, because you've been around the game as longer than I have. You, you know the old boys club exists. When you look outside the old, old boys club to try to get new blood into into positions. There are certain people that are that should be on a list. Jeff Jackson um, became one of the best agents and one of the most progressive agents beyond Connor McDavid with what he did first with the Orr Group and then with Wasserman. Um, and Chris Knobloch, I have wondered for the last three years why Chris Knobloch didn't get a chance to coach in the National Hockey League, perhaps his, his low-key personality. But when he has had a chance on an interim basis to coach in the NHL with Rangers, he did a really good job. He did do a good job in the American League for five years for the Rangers, as you can see by some of the young guys coming up to play for New York. 
these guys should not be uh, excluded from being promoted or given new jobs just because they're friends of Connor McDavid's. So I, I think that part of it is that, you know, there's a, there's a level of coincidence in this as well. But at the same time, I don't think people, I, I, I think it's probably fair to try to connect some of the dots to say, oh, it's all Connor's guys going into jobs. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to uh, ask and then answer the question that uh, some people uh, have on their minds. And that is, uh, you know, the Oilers just won a game uh, and uh, then they fire the coach. Uh, we've both been around long enough, as you just uh, suggested, uh, to know that this was done uh, prior to that. It was in it, it, everything got started on Friday. Of course, everything got and, everything and got they, started on Friday. And they're they're not trying to hide that. They admit that. So the coaches knew they were gone. They walked off the ice, really, in in, in losing to the Sharks. Uh, the players knew they were gone. The fans should have known they were gone in the media that, as well, that the Oilers were not going to play another home game with Jay Woodcroft behind the bench. So the, here, here they are tonight, uh, their first game since uh, that uh, road swing, and got a new coach. And they're 18 points out of first place. <laughs> and when they should be in first place as far as they were concerned. Or they should be competing with Vegas. There's no well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, they've got lots of time, obviously, to uh, to make up ground. You don't have to finish first, but you do have to make the playoffs. And I guess uh, now the question is, in a in a in a difficult division, um, you know, how quickly do they rise, and how difficult is the rest of the way uh, going to be? And do they have to change the roster? Uh, I think I, I well I. I, you know, beyond goaltending, because I think goaltending's, I, I, I think goaltending's another topic. I, I really do. I, I, I do think they probably have to change a bit of the roster. Um, you, you know, I mean that's, but there are guys with no move contracts that should be considered to to be traded. Uh, it's it, goaltending, obviously, is an issue. Um, you know, they have two games at home this week. Islanders Monday, Seattle third or Wednesday, Wednesday before they go to Florida, Florida and Carolina. It is not going to be an easy three-game trip when you think about how good the Lightning can play, how good the Panthers are playing, and Carolina is always a perennial winner. So, you know, could they win these two and then the next three? Sure, it could it could happen. But I think there's a real hope that there's a spark that has been been lit and 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 starts to glow the the the, the other issue dave is and and it doesn't get talked enough about is that you know saturday night's victory uh was on you know the shoulders of you know dylan holloway and zach hyman mm -hmm. it, it wasn't connor mcdavid it wasn't leon dreisaitl uh and i, I know that dreisaitl and mcdavid have set the bar so high because of last year and previous years but the two superstars superstars have to get their act together. They have to start to play at that same level before this team has any chance to compete. And right yeah, now well, you're just not seeing it. Yeah. The victory was four, nothing in the first period. And Zach Hyman has, uh, has three of them. And uh, you know, and then the rest of the way, they only allow one goal. The, the, you know, the guys who are, who are really uh, uh, happy, shall we say, 
that the uh, Oilers had dominated the headlines with their problems. Uh, the Calgary Flames, yeah. if not for Edmonton, you know, Calgary would be the number one crisis center in the league, wouldn't it? I mean, apart from San Jose, uh, San Jose sorry. Well, although San Jose is supposed to be like this. San Jose oh. isn't supposed to lose 10 to 1 and 10 nothing, but no, San but Jose is supposed be, Yeah, they could be historically bad at, yes. at, the, at the end of the season. But the Flames, like, you know, internally, what's going on? Yeah, I, I, you're right. Um, you know, I mean, we're now we're getting whiffs of, you know, their, some of their best players, unrestricted free agents wanting to be traded. Um, I, I, you know, I think that they're going to take the next 15 games to decide whether they want to join San Jose or whether they want to be in the mushy middle. Uh, and it, it, right now it looks like they want, they're, they're going to be in a position they might have to rebuild. And that's going to be a real challenge in Calgary for Craig Conroy. Yeah. Other teams. But they're going to wait. I think they're going to wait to a certain point, probably the end of the new end of the calendar year before they make that decision. And then we're going to see potentially wholesale changes. Other teams, uh, other cities have been known rightly or wrongly as place places that players didn't want to be. Um, I don't think you can argue that Calgary looks like that place now. Yeah, although I, I, anybody that plays there, I, I understand anybody plays there and, and loves living in the foothills understands that. I mean, Blake Coleman signed there and loves living there. Uh, there are players that enjoyed playing there. Um, there are there are players that, in the end, from a lifestyle perspective, Calgary's a brilliant place to play. But you know, in the end, in hockey, it's so much more is about winning. And and the other thing, Dave, in Calgary, before we go, um, one of the things that has really hurt the Flames and will continue to hurt the Flames until it's remedied, one way or the other, is they need a new building. The building yeah. has to get done. Uh, the amenities in a building, players spend so much time in an arena and, and in, in practice facilities that if you don't have a five-star hotel version of a practice arena and a dressing room area, you will not be in the free agent market. You just will not. And right now, Calgary can't do that for a building that is turning 40 years old this year. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And they have, I, I know there's lots of positives about the new arena or they don't call them arenas anymore. They're called entertainment centers uh, and a new arena. And it's going to get done, but it's going to take a while and it's going to hurt the club for a long period of time until it gets finished. That's just a reality. Well, we've just outlined uh, all of the problems for uh, both teams in Alberta. One, uh, one team appears to have uh, solved according to their uh, their priorities. Uh, one of the problems, uh, we'll see what the new coach does tonight. And um, things are always uh, interesting in, uh, in Alberta. Well, and, and dare we not mention, we have to quickly mention the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. They, which uh, truly are one of the, which truly is in my mind, the number one story in the NHL this season so far. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a question you can ask any Vancouver fan, and I'll give you the answer to that question too. Okay. Would you rather trade the two victories for the one loss in Toronto? A lot of Canucks fans would rather beat the Leafs and lose to Ottawa and lose to Montreal. I guarantee you. It, 
Uh, well, I, I, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. I'll tell you what. Don't be so short-sighted. You know, you can if a Canuck fan's thinking that, if you can go on the road and win two of every three games yeah. on the road, okay. you better take it. Hey, we got we, we've talked too much hockey. There's we've had too much hockey. I can't take it anymore. We're going to baseball. Rob Longley of Post Media joins us to talk about the GM's meetings a little bit, free agency, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Hodge and Shannon with Longley in a bit. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the Bob Account Podcast. Dave Hodge in today for Bob and joined by Rob Longley of Post Media, who has uh, been on the Blue Jay beat for how many years now, Rob? Uh, going into number eight, John. Wow. I yeah. met you when you were just a media guy. You were writing about yeah. media, you know. <laughs> anyway. We're going, back, we're going back decades. Yes, I know. Um, anything of note? for the Jays, particularly coming out of the general manager's meetings in Arizona? Not really. I mean, it's the same thing every year at the GM meetings. Um, Essentially, what you hear is that Ross Atkins, like the majority of teams that are trying to improve themselves, are in on everybody. Any free agent, oh, yeah, we've talked to their agent. We've we've done this. We've done that. We're, you know, essentially in in on on everybody. And, and, And the way that I've kind of come to understand how it works, John, is it's the complete opposite of hockey's quote unquote free agent frenzy. It's, you know, this thing takes, this is, this thing is a slow play. It, it, it kind of takes forever to unfold. Um, you tend to see things really heat up when, when the meet, winter meetings arrive, which is the first week of December in Nashville this year. And, and the GM meetings are, are generally this, the spot where the GMs, as they like to put it, lay the groundwork for their off season and, 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 and by that they mean they talk to all the other GMs and they talk to the agents and the sales pitches begin and and tend to unfold over the next couple of weeks and and uh, once we get through the winter meetings if, if if there isn't majority business done there then then they really start to pick up and the other thing in baseball is um, you know the the two biggest pieces really have to unfold before everything else seems to afterwards and. Um, that would be Shohei Otani and Cody, Cody Bellinger this year, and and whatever clients uh, Super Agent Scott Boris has. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, we'll start there then, or I will. Uh, if the Jays are in on anybody and everybody, are they really in on Shohei Otani? I don't know. I mean, I, I would say that they are in in that they would be kicking the tires on him at least, and just to see what it's going to cost to get him here. Um, I suspect that, you know, by everything you, you tend to read that Otani would prefer to stay on, 
in California on the West Coast, or I suppose New York would be an option, but uh, um, he seems to thrive on on the big market, um, on the big media market. There's there's essentially there's a content there's a there's a Shohei Otani beat unto itself that goes to every game. Uh, at least a dozen reporters uh, from Japan follow him wherever he goes, and so he's kind of he's, he's used to that glare. Um, he's he's adapted his lifestyle, his professional lifestyle to it, and. I suspect that he would he would want to stay there. Um, now having said that, the Jays have shown that that they're willing and able to spend money. Um, they've unlocked that Rogers Communications vault over the last couple of years, but I don't know if they're willing and able to spend that kind the kind of money that it's going to take to to get Shohei Otani. Just, just on that, um, uh, from a million miles away, uh, how do the dollars work on Otani when he can't pitch next year? I mean, is it, or is that the biggest question mark? Well, I think, I don't think it's going to matter much because just because of the star power that he has. Um, and, and obviously he's as, as good, almost as good a hitter as he is a pitcher, something sure. in some ways better. Um, and I think if, you know, anybody who signs him is going to be signing him for multiple years, uh, five, six, seven years. So you're going to get show, you're going to get the, 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 the best of Shohei Otani uh, a year or two into that contract. And Shohei Otani as a hitter, it has some value. Um, I think whoever whoever gets him is going to be paying as much for Shohei Otani, the player, as as they are for the for the guy that you can market, um, because he is a global superstar. He's he's arguably not probably not even arguably the biggest superstar in the game right now. Um, one of the biggest superstars of any sport in North America, and and, and attached to that, there's 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 a ton of value marketing wise. I think it's too easy to just uh, put him with the LA Dodgers like everybody else uh, predicts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's and this is the best case you can make for the Jays is that other teams are certainly interested interested enough to make it a contest. And um, as I say, I, you know, if 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 it were the Dodgers, then we wouldn't be talking about this. It would just be okay. Let's get on to the next subject. But um, the Texas Rangers are the World Series champions, and you know, have they got any more money to spend? Yes, they always have more money to spend. Um, there, there's talk that he and the Chicago Cubs have some kind of mutual interest, and there's a guy named uh, Seiya Suzuki who plays in the outfield there. There's a pitcher in Toronto named Yusei Kikuchi, and there's a pitcher in San Diego named Yu Darvish. So, um, if uh, if, if Otani really likes Southern California like he did when he signed with the Angels. The Dodgers are one option. The Padres could be another. And then there's these other teams that um, have have reason to think that Otani would would consider them. So I I think this is a subject that warrants the headlines. And I don't think it's a a fait accompli that he's a Dodger. Well, well, hold on. So, Dave, you didn't... if you were if you're Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, are you just opening the vault and giving him anything he wants? Well, I uh, within open, reason opening the vault. Oh, what's what's it going to be, Rob? Five five hundred million bucks for ten years? Five hundred? Yeah, plus. Yeah, minimum four fifty, and and I think I think north of five probably. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, so at the, so are okay. So at five years, four fifty. Are you doing it? Well, I think uh, I think they have. Some pressure on them to uh, to do something. Well, I mean, we we got to get around to you know who's going to play third base, who's going to 
who's going to play second base, uh, you know, who's in yeah, the we, we're, we're going to do that. We're, we are going to well, do that. Well, no, but that, but it's all, all one and the same. Uh, if, if you want to try to say, where are the, where are the dollars going? And if they can't make a splash anywhere else and, and they can with Otani, uh, then yeah, they throw much of their money at him. And, uh, you know, the, the new, new look stadium welcomes the biggest, star in the game and all of the pressure for a lot of it is off Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins because and John Schneider has his everyday DH is that a case to be made Rob I don't know yeah I think so and I, I'm and I think if you look at the way the, the Jays have operated in the offseason uh, over the last four or five winters now they're they are they are playing at that level um and the George Springer signing, what, what, what was it, 120 million for seven years, yeah. was was considered um, uh, a bit of a surprise at the time, right? I mean, that the, the Jays got him. I, I think they probably paid a bit of a premium to get him to Toronto. Now, having said that, 120 million is the most that the Blue Jays have ever pay, paid for a player. And uh, so, is this is this front uh, is this ownership group willing to quadruple that? To get Shohei Otani, what's the value of that? You're right; they've got a, they've got essentially a new stadium to fill uh, in terms of uh, new seating, new ticket prices. Um, um, they've got a they've already got a hot fan base, over three million people last year, um, and with a lot of pressure on them. That's it's it's an unruly fan base right now. It's a it's an upset fan base. Um, nobody was happy with the way last season ended. So, what better way is they as Dave suggests to to take some of the pressure off of that front office by by getting the biggest free agent out there. It's just a matter of how much it's going to cost and whether Otani is going to want to come here and what sort of premium Rogers communications would have to pay over what the Dodgers would be able to pay. The other thing that's never mentioned is what kind of revenue stream opening the Japanese market commercially would be to a baseball club. I mean, I, I think that that's one of the things that, that Anaheim has always contemplated and always realized ticket sales are one thing, but, corporate sponsorship from Japan and whether we see Japanese signage in these buildings as we as we did over the years for uh, when uh, when other guy when Hideki Matsui for instance or Ichiro played in this uh, in in North America but is Toronto that type of market that can take that opportunity and sell the Jays to Japan there's Major League Baseball gets their share but there is an opportunity financially to get some money out of the Japanese market for the Jays as well yeah, I think that possibility exists, uh, but it would not exist to, to the same level that it would in, in right. Los Angeles and New York, say. Having said that, um, and you know this, John, there's, I don't think there's a team in, there isn't a team in Major League Baseball that gets better um, local uh, TV ratings than the Toronto Blue Jays. Now they have a whole country to capitalize on, but rare is the day that they're less than six or seven or 800,000 viewers and often over a million, which is you know, there's some pretty lucrative opportunities there. Uh, so before we get into the uh, the uh, minutia, if we want to call it that, of the Jays, uh, and we're talking about free agents, does does Joey Votto have any interest in this organization and vice versa, Rob? That's hard to say. I, I suspect he will if, if, if the money is right. Um, you know, I think that he is comfortable enough in his own skin that he could handle being that guy who could come home and to end his career for a year or two. Um, I suspect it wouldn't cost a whole lot of money to do it. Um, 
but that, the bigger question that I have is, is what value does he bring? Uh, you know, he's obviously diminished in his, in his uh, production at the plate over the last couple of years, although he can still hit. He's one of these guys that's as pure a professional hitter as there is. And I think if there is some, some rule for him, it might be that um, he's one of these guys who really understands the swing. He's almost like, a, so he could almost be like a coach uh, in that dugout. A guy who wouldn't get a lot of playing time, be more of a platoon player, whether it be DH or whether it be um, Spelling Gladborough Jr. over at first base. But he might be a good influence, a good veteran influence in, in the clubhouse and in the dugout. And for a team that struggled so significantly at the plate last year, having a guy like that as part of your team, if the price is right, and if you have roster room for him, wouldn't be the worst thing. Would you have any interest in Votto, Dave? Well, uh, let's call him the Otani backup plan. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Because if he's here, he's gonna he's gonna DH uh, a fair bit uh, and uh, play some first base, I guess. Um, well, let's uh, before we get on to uh, who they're looking at out there, uh, Rob. Do you think there's any interest in their own free agents, if you will? Have they said goodbye to Chapman, Kiermaier, Belt, Merrifield, uh, et cetera? Or uh, if there's uh, one or more of these players who could uh, still be a J? Um, who is it? Are they? So going through the list, I would say they've said goodbye to Belt, who's probably going to retire or certainly hinted that he was going to retire. I think Kiermaier has probably said goodbye to the Jays. I think that he'd like to go somewhere where he could play one season of his career, not on artificial turf after playing in two of the worst stadiums in baseball for your knees and the rest of your joints is playing in Toronto and, and in Tampa. Um, the guy that intrigues me a little bit, it would be Matt Chapman. Um, you know, everybody talks about him being one of the top free agents out there and he certainly will be marketed well because his representation is Scott Boris, but how much did he diminish his, his ability to get that huge contract by the way he was at the plate? Sure. He's one of the best third basemen in baseball and you know, he's been so valuable for the Jays at the hot corner all season. Um, but underproduced significantly once we once the calendar page basically turned into into may he was he was not the hitter that many thought he would be and cost himself a lot of money so i wonder if maybe the the price of that chapman that we would have seen on may 1st is is has dipped enough that that puts the jays back into the market um i, I think that they'll be they'll be involved in those discussions and if they can if they can do it at a, at a reason, reasonable dollar figure whatever that might be you know, why wouldn't you try to lock, lock up Matt Chapman? Um, I think Chapman liked his two years in Toronto. I think he liked being a part of that team. And I think he saw the potential of the team. And, you know, I mean, these guys, it's money first, but there's certainly a little bit of unfinished business with the Blue Jays. And if the price in the term was right, I think that, that, it's, that it's at the least an outside possibility. Well, the benefit to him is that despite his uh, lackluster batting performance in much of last season, He's still the third best free agent with a with a bat after Otani and Cody Bellinger. So, I mean, the market is is good for him in that respect. And there are other teams uh, that right. could use uh, a third baseman. Um, I mean, the Yankees at the at the top of the list probably, uh, unless they want to just leave Lemayhew there or go with uh, or go with a kid um, and. Um, Milwaukee's another team. Arizona, we watched 
Longoria play uh, most of the time there. This is a team that would love to get back to the World Series and I think would like to upgrade at third base. So there's a, a market for him both ways. Teams that want to need a third baseman and not many other free agents who hit that are, uh, despite what whatever his shortcomings were last year, who are in his class. Yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees could make this whole discussion move, right? I mean, that, that, the way they attack uh, free agents, if, if he's a guy they want, they could, you know, they could end this before anybody really gets to the table. The, 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 the thing about when, when you say he liked his time here, um, the way the season ended in, in, in dysfunction, and I think that's, that's a fair word, um, how much of a bad taste does that leave for a player? That, holy smokes, we got the manager pointing at the front office, the front office pointing at the manager, the players wanting to know what went on, um, now the players didn't score any runs, but you know they still wondered what the fourth inning magic was all about. Uh, how much of an influence do you think that has? I think it's definitely a, a factor, um, and it's compounded, guys, by the fact that it wasn't the first time that, that you know there there was sort of dysfunction in that clubhouse. The you know talking to players, mostly off the record at the time, but they were dumbfounded at the way that the front office handled the, the Anthony Bass situation. And they were also miffed at how the Alec Manoa situation played out. Not so much that they, you know, I mean, certainly they understood that Manoa was struggling and that, that he, you know, they had to do something with him that he wasn't able, he, he shouldn't have been a starter because he basically pitched his way out of the rotation. But the way that the, the, the front office and the communications department handled the whole narrative around Alec Manoa like is he going to Buffalo is he in Buffalo why isn't he going to Buffalo oh he's oh and he's getting injections in his shoulder well who's doing that well it's not the team it's his own it was just it was just the whole way that that these things played out and then you had the the biggest one the biggest explosion of it all at the end of the season you know I've heard anecdotally stories of the way it went down um in uh in uh Minnesota that just would, had players shaking their heads and Kevin Gosman mentioned it on a, on a podcast right. in the U S last week and said, we all knew it was coming. I mean, we knew that they were going to put Yusei Kikuchi in one of those, those two games. And since he didn't get in the first game and there might not be a third game, he was definitely going to go into that game too. And, you know, you use the word dysfunction, John, and that, and that's exactly, exactly the way it played out afterwards when, when a still very hot Ross Atkins two days after it ended, got on the podium and, played the blame game and, and tried to wash his hands of it. And that doesn't sit well with players. Um, and uh, that's why I think there's probably got to be some, some fence mending in the, in the off season. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that Chapman liked his time here, but I, I do, you know, I, I think it would be fair to suggest that, that he was probably shaking his head at the way things went down at the end. Before, before you jump in, Dave, Gosman talked a lot about Manoa in that, on that podcast too. What did yeah. did you did you think that that was a defense of Manoa or, or did you think that Gosman was doing a pretty good dance? I thought that he was actually being fairly uh, transparent. I mean, I you know he 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 essentially said that he, that they could tell when he showed up in the spring that something was off, um, that he was behind time, that there was there was an issue with his sh shoulder, and that that he never he never really got back on track. Um, 
you know, and, and he talked about how he tried to counsel Manoa, you know, having been a guy that's been around for long enough and has, has been DFA'd in early in, earlier in his career. And, you know, trying to impart the knowledge on Manoa that, you know, sometimes the, the line isn't a smooth one. You don't become a um, Cy Young Award finalist in your first full season in the big leagues and, 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 and go on to greatness from there. Sometimes you just have to, there, there are, you know, things come up and it's, it's not a straight line to be a, a long-term professional pitcher. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was quite transparent. And I thought that it was probably the most honesty that we heard from anybody associated with the Blue Jays on, on what, what went down with Manoa early in the season. John, you know how much I enjoy revisiting the Brias. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I like to it's, been, it's been a couple of weeks, Rob, since we've talked about it. So Dave, Dave's, it, it's, it's pent up anger. So <laughs> we'll be talking about it forever. Really, I, right? well, I, I mean, will. Uh, and well, it's funny the Barrios thing, people, the, the Barrios thing has been such a hot point that we forget about the year before when the breakdown might've been oh, worse. I don't. <laughs> no, Dave doesn't. Oh no. Uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, players questioning uh, management and uh, decisions made or, or not made. I mean, yeah, that was it's two years in a row when uh, the playoffs have ended uh, controversially, shall, shall we say. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, is Manoa a key to what goes on? And I, I will ask that not because, you know, can he be a, a fifth starter again? Can he be a Jay again? Can he be a major leaguer again? But if the Jays are, are uh, bound to look for the trade market as opposed to uh, free agency, which they've always preferred to do, um, um, I wonder who they have to trade and is it possible that they could have so much confidence in Alec Manoa as Ross Atkins maintains that they would trade Barrios, Chris Bassett? I mean, you, you want a headline that nobody's expecting. Uh, what else do they have to trade? And, and if Manoa is really, really in their plans and they have all this confidence in him, uh, could they trade a pitcher? And is there any chance they could trade him? Boy, I don't, I don't think so. I would have to hope uh, from a, from the Blue Jays fans' perspective that it's the opposite, that they realize that they they left themselves in a short position last year. Because that when Manoa went down the first time, um, they didn't have anybody that could step up. They didn't have anybody in Buffalo that they could bring up to be a fifth starter. And th that month of going with a four-man rotation, you know, I talked to each of those four guys, and it, it took a toll on them. I mean, they understood that that's what they had to do, but there was some wear and tear on each of those guys uh, and they, they still were able to be relatively strong at the end of the season. So I would, I would, but I would have to think that, that a priority of, of Ross Atkins would be to get a sixth starter somehow in the off season, a guy that you, you, you know, you'll have if, if there is a problem with Manoa, I think, I think internally, I think there's some belief that, uh, that Ricky Tiedemann um, will be available at some point. If he, if he continues on the arc that he's been on over the last couple of months anyways, he had a really strong uh, fall at the Arizona Fall League, was a pitcher of the year down there, the pitcher of the league, whatever they, whatever they name that award. But he, he's still going to have to work, work uh, get some minor league time in, and so you wouldn't be expecting him to be, uh, you know, if he continues, you wouldn't expect to see him in the big leagues until June or July. 
but I think they have to have a guy that they can that they can throw in as a sixth starter at some point. That was a real that was a real dearth that this team had in in, in 2023, and it, it it almost cost them dearly. So what do they have to offer in trade talks if if not a pitcher? Well, this is the thing, right? Atkins sort of talks about this, the, his the, the shelves being stocked still. Um, that they you know they have that they have a, a strong minor league system and they they've got assets that they can move. But I would suggest that a lot that so many of those assets have already been moved. That I don't know if they have nearly the currency that they had over the over the last two or three winters when they were when at that point were you know supplementing a a, a young core that they felt was was very close to being serious contenders. I think I think their their trade options are are aren't nearly what they used to be. Well, they I guess you know you have Santiago Espinal, but what are you going to get for him? Um, they traded their their highest piece of currency last winter, as we may recall. I, I, I watched the World Series. I think he was one of those guys who was in the World Series, wasn't he? Um, and that's one that's gonna that's one that's gonna for be a couple, insane. yeah. Too, the only the only good thing that happened to the Jays during the World Series is is that Texas won. Yeah. I mean, because if Arizona had won, Hodge would be on a bigger soapbox about oh. <laughs> about those that's, two guys than they would be Barrios. No, no, I would never. I never wanted to trade Moreno. I there never wanted go. to trade him. You don't trade young quality prospects. That and that transcends every sport. That's not a baseball thing. That transcends every sport. That was the stupidest move I've ever seen. Period. Well, <laughs> it, it, uh, that argument looks a lot better after what we saw from uh, Marino and from Lourdes Scurriel. Well, Lourdes Scurriel, where, do, where, do, where does he wind up, uh, Rob? Well, I think he would be one of these uh, sort of second-tier free agents. Um, and... Yeah, I, I can't imagine that, G, that the Jays would be interested in him, but who knows? I mean, they are they do they they are going to need a left fielder. Um, uh, obviously, Varsho is going to shift over to not obviously. I'm assuming anyway that Varsho will shift over to center so that they'll get more value out of him defensively than they even did last year. Um, but you know, I think I think Gurriel will be a guy that will be once you know teams that teams that are looking for a little bit of power and looking for some outfield help that. He'll he'll sort of fit into that second tier. He's he, it should be a good contract for him. It's uh, you know, especially having the the type of season that he had. I mean, he was hurt as you we know for for much of his last season in Toronto. He, that wrist bothered him the whole season. He had off season surgery, and some of that power came back. So, I think he'll do rather well. I'm not you know, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what sorts of teams uh, are in the market for him. I, I I wouldn't expect that the Jays would be though. You where? Uh, uh, no, I think other teams uh, would be more interested uh, than the Jays. I think the Yankees could be, again, we mentioned the Yankees, but they could be one. Right. We're with uh, Dave Hodge and Rob Long on a Monday, talking a bit of baseball. It's uh, a little different this time here. We, we had hockey week last week. This we're, we're starting the week with baseball to keep everybody happy. This is the McCowan Podcast, back after this. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Dave Hodge, Rob Longley, John Shannon. Uh, we had a list of uh, four of the the Jays from last year. The one we didn't answer the question on was Whit Merrifield. What what happens to Whit Merrifield, Rob? Oh, he's. I mean, he will. Uh, he'll probably do fairly well in, in free agency. But why not here? 
I don't I don't know that he would want to come back here. Um, again, some of his his comments postseason were he you know of of any of the players that were upset with the way things that went down um, the way things went down in Minnesota, he was the most vocal and most uh, honest about it. I thought like yeah, you know, and he was he he was very detailed in, in in why he thought it was it was it was a poor the way things went down. Now Whit Merrifield was. He struggled, uh, as we know, in, in much of September and October and did, didn't really play. He didn't play in, in, in the playoffs. And I think that left a bit of a bad taste in his mouth. I think that uh, I'm not so sure that he, you know, loved his time in Toronto. Um, sort of came came here in uh, odd circumstances with the whole COVID mess that was, was, was surrounding his, his name. And uh, I think that he is, he's willing to, to test the market out there and, and probably will have suitors that are are, are more aggressive in, in trying to, to get them than, than the Blue Jays would be at this point. That surprise well, you, Dave? Does it surprise me? Yeah. In what way? Well, that uh, I think that there was a point that a lot of us believed, you know, September-ish that Merrifield would be back well, and be signing a three-year deal. No, I mean, if, A, it wasn't a surprise that they didn't pick up the option. They're not going to pay him $18 million. That does not preclude, you know, some negotiations that would give him, uh, you know, a one or a two-year deal uh, at more reasonable uh, terms for the Jays, but that doesn't do Merrifield any good. Um, he, he finished the season on the bench. I mean, let's let's face it; he wasn't wasn't, wasn't really a, a a usable player at the end. Uh, but I think uh, there will be teams that show some interest in him, and again, more interest than uh, than the Jays will have. But um, you know. If if the Jays free agents all leave, then we got to fill in the, these holes, <laughs> you know, third base, second base, DH, outfield, and uh, that's a puzzle for for Ross Atkins to to uh, improve the team and make the right moves at those four positions. And as Rob suggests, uh, they shouldn't forget about the pitching staff. So you know, where do they look? Uh, in free agency or trades for players that are going to make them better at all those spots. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, there are, there are certainly some names out there and, and, and as we suggested off the top, um, Atkins will definitely be in play on a lot of them, at least finding out what the, what the price would be. The one that intrigues me maybe more than others would be Candelario over at the, over at third base. He's a guy that, um, he might not be as good defensively as Chapman because few are, but he's certainly reliable defensively, and he he uh, he's much more reliable at the plate. You know, brings a little bit of power, brings a little bit of uh, um, contact, which is seems to be the thing that that uh, the Blue Jays uh, front office and coaching staff values more in hitters than anything. They don't seem to be a team that uh, values power anymore for whatever reason. Um, but he's he's one that stands out as a possibility there. I suppose they'll look at internal uh, options as well. But I I mean for a team that's still uh, fixing to be a, a serious contender, I don't think you're. I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive and uh, um, ambitious than than relying on guys that you know they were able to bring up last year and have some success, like David Schneider and others. Um, I think you have to be a little bit more ambitious than than, than hoping that, that those guys will take the next step and be 
uh, not just everyday big leaguers, but contributing everyday big leaguers. Well, the thing about Candelario is uh, A, he's a switch hitter. They like that. Every team seems to like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he can uh, spell Guerrero at first base uh, as long as they get somebody to spell him at third base. So he's versatile. Uh, they like that. But, um, you know, if uh, if the Cubs don't resign him and uh, and they don't resign, uh, they don't get Chapman, then the Cubs are uh, are looking for a third baseman, and uh, and Candelario is uh, you know any other team looking for a third baseman is looking at Candelario. Sorry, if Chapman signs with the Cubs, right. uh, Spencer Horowitz, uh, one of the top minor league hitters last year, three thirty seven. Um, could he DH on a regular basis? Or would would they have a player like that as a as a regular DH? I, I could see him being a roster player. I don't know if you would want him as as your uh, as your everyday DH. I suppose you know you could have him on the roster as a, a DH slash infielder. Um, so he could play he can play a couple of positions on the infield, and then he could grow into the to the DH role. Um, he certainly he certainly proved that he could hit at the triple a level um he had some modest success at the big league level but that's uh, you know i think again for a team that's that's um not rebuilding that but that, that, that is trying to add significant pieces is uh, i think you have to have a guy you have to have somebody in place that's 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 maybe more accomplished and more proven than, than a spencer horowitz and that was the reason they got brandon belt last year yeah. um you know, and by the end of the season, we we saw those reasons. He was he was a, a somewhat reliable hitter and a, a guy that was was you know solid at the DH position and and could could spell at first base. But I, I think you know Spencer Horowitz is a guy that um, people probably didn't talk enough about uh, late in late late last season. But a guy that um, if he continues to improve the way that he has and has a good spring training, that he could be a a very valuable part on the, on that everyday roster when. when spring training breaks Rob when you talk about experience is that the the same issue that David Schneider hasn't been anointed as the second baseman I think so and I think probably when you when you're talking about Davis uh David Schneider you look at uh you, you compare months right his, his first month month and a half in the leagues um nobody could get him out and then uh, then the video the video coaches around the league kicked in and he was he had trouble I mean he couldn't he couldn't they just you just attack him high in the zone and 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 he and he couldn't adapt so i mean i think he's a guy that comes into uh to spring training um uh, with with a shot at making the roster and and you see how he does this is a guy that last year john nobody even really had even heard of the right. guy he was he was one of these guys at spring training that if you went on the road to lakeland or if you went down to fort myers or sarasota where not, not too many of the veterans would play He'd be the guy that would be one of five, four or five guys at the back of the bus that would be your, you know, your seventh and eighth and ninth inning guy. I mean, he, he wasn't, he didn't have a spot in the, he wasn't even in the main main clubhouse, but he went, he played in a handful of spring training games. That's how far he, he was off of the radar. And, you know, as great as a story as he was last year. And, you know, I don't doubt that he proved himself and, and gained some confidence through that whole process. There's still a fair bit of proving for him to do that he can be, a guy that's that's a reliable everyday second baseman or even even on that roster. 
Well, for what he did at Fenway Park in his major league debut, uh, they could trade yeah. him. To, they could trade him to the Red Sox and ask for just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and as I say, uh, if 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 these guys aren't going to play for the Jays, then they almost have to be in in trade talks somehow. You know, they, they just need assets to make deals. And uh, so Schneider, uh, Espinal, uh, you know, there's Damiano Palmagiani. I think we should just. I actually, I would. I ordered that last night at dinner, Dave. I, I it think was... uh, I'll I'll leave that I'll leave that uh, <laughs> alone. Uh, um, and everybody's in love with with prospects, especially when they have names like that. But there's a guy who played third base, uh, uh, mostly in Double A last year, but uh, did pretty well in in uh, in Buffalo and uh, and also in the Arizona Fall League was on the championship team. And actually led them to the to the win in the title game. I mean, does he have a future? I would think so, based on on, on what you just mentioned, Dave. I mean, he he was really good in New Hampshire, uh, so good that they couldn't keep him there. They had to, to, to send him off off to Buffalo because he he had earned that opportunity, which is great. I mean, I mean, you see that all the time, guys guys moving through the through the ladder. But then when you take it. Uh, the next step and, and you go to the Arizona fall league and you have the, the, the type of month and a month or month and a half that he had down there. then that really opens some eyes and not just, not just with the Jays who probably had a reasonable idea of what they had there, but it, but it opens eyes around baseball. I mean, you get, you get to, to see what type of hitter he is. You get to see what type of a player, what type of a teammate he is and, and word gets around. Um, so he, he, here's a guy whose stock is on the rise. Uh, he'll, he'll be in, he'll be, almost certainly in, in the main clubhouse at spring training and, and have, have plenty of opportunity in grapefruit league games to, to prove who he is and what he is, uh, you know, in all likelihood would, would start the season in Buffalo, but uh, um, also given what we both outlined here, what, what he, what he has done since midsummer to basically yesterday, perhaps he's a guy that's a bit of, you know, currency in, in the trade market. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, the prospects aren't as sexy as they were when when Gabby Moreno was there, but there's there are certainly are guys like that, and maybe maybe teams have kicked the tires on Davis Sanchez or sorry Davis Schneider. Maybe you know maybe he's yeah. open enough eyes around baseball that that he's marketable. We've bounced around the roster a lot. We haven't mentioned Guerrero. We haven't mentioned Bichette. We haven't mentioned Biggio, and we haven't mentioned any of the catchers. Are they set with those five guys at least? Are those are they not untouchables? But nothing's going to change there. And I mean, are are we are we going to? Is there any chance we see dramatic change with this roster, Rob? No, I think you know. I think that the eggs are in the basket with this with this core, and you know, they're going to continue to uh, to try to to build around it and supplement it. And um, you know, I think probably the mindset of the fr of the front office is that change is necessary, and it's and it's obvious. In, in some ways because of the four holes that we've, we've talked about at length already. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're sticking with these guys. They've got two more years of, of Guerrero and Bichette as we sit here today. Um, and I'm sure there will be talks of potentially extending them. Although I don't know why Vlad Guerrero Jr. would want to do that right now after the season that he had. No, but I think, you know, I think, and I think that they, you know, Kevin Biggio probably really, really cemented his, his future with the team with the type of season that, that, that he had last last year it was it was by far the most productive that he had been he was versatile schneider put him base basically ev everywhere on the field and 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 he delivered 
Um, you know, obviously Bichette was, was the team's best hitter with, and didn't have any support around him, unfortunately in the lineup, but no, I think, I think they stick with that bunch catching wise. I think they kind of have to, um, I think that there's, you know, there's gotta be some hope that maybe at, at, at one point in his career, Danny Jansen will get some, some luck when it comes to staying healthy, because there's not too many players in baseball that have had poorer luck than he has. And he's, he's not just, not that he's an injury prone guy. It's just like the fluke injuries that, that kind of, kind of set him back. And I think it's part of the reason that they, um, you know, that they were willing to part with Moreno as, as silly as it was, they saw some of the, they saw a different hitter in Danny Jansen over the last two, two seasons. And then he had been earlier in his career. And by that, I mean, a guy who had some real pull power at the, at the plate, like he, and, not only not only did he show some power, he was a, a rare spot in that Blue Jays batting order that could seem to be able to deliver big hits late in ball games and, and win ball games. So the, you know they certainly saw a future in him. I don't think there's anybody around the Blue Jays that expected uh, Alejandro Kirk to regress uh, to the extent that that he did last season. I don't think enough has been made of his season. I mean. He really put himself in a hole when he when he showed up three or four weeks later, whatever it was, to spring training while he was waiting, waiting for the birth of his of his first child. But which which is fine, I suppose. But when he when he when he arrived in Florida, he was it was clear that he was was not in in, in very good physical shape, and he and he never uh, he never improved from that. He never really got on track. He never was the anywhere near the Alejandro Kirk that we. We saw in, in 2022. I'll uh, let me finish with uh, one name that I think should be uh, mentioned. Uh, if, if the Jays want more home runs, they do. Uh, and if they're uh, ready to uh, install a permanent DH and they can't throw money at anybody else, then Jorge Soler would make all <laughs> sense in the world. Uh, again, they're not the only team that wants you know the leading uh, power hitter. Uh, except for Otani, uh, who is who's available, and uh, I would think he could he could be a priority, uh, and probably should be. Yeah, he's one of the names that intrigues me a lot because you know I, I think that that Atkins will acknowledge that maybe he overplayed uh, the defense and pitching. You know, runs saved. Uh, this is going to make <laughs> us a better team. Move last year, there was just too much power lost, and and so well, there would be. A, a, the logical guy to replace it um but you know we, we, you know i don't know if we, we talk about this enough either a lot of that power could be replaced by vlad guerrero jr being anywhere near what he was sure that's, i guess that's a discussion for another day you could do a whole show on that but um but they certainly have to bring in a bat and and to me that would be a logical one for them to be aggressive at well, as you said, uh, Robert, uh, free agency in baseball is not like uh, July 1st uh, in, in the hockey world and things get done in the next two hours. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the winter meetings in Nashville at, as, as well. Thank you for this. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Rob Longley, Dave Hodge, John Shannon. We'll be back with the Bobcat after this. It's Monday. That means uh, the namesake of this show shows up. About time you showed up. Yeah, I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it was last week. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How are you guys? Well, well I, uh, I we don't normally talk about the video of this show, but uh, that is a lovely Cleveland Brown colored shirt you're wearing. Actually, no, it's red. I don't know. Does it look orange? 
It looks orange on my my uh, computer. So yeah, well, it's red actually. Close Sorry. enough uh, as an excuse to mention the Cleveland Browns. Six and three now. I mean, was that uh, as good an NFL afternoon if you combine that with the Houston victory? As as you could see, there were some games that were the worst the NFL can uh, produce, the morning one and the evening one. But boy, those two games in the afternoon and they ended within seconds of each other, really. But you want to talk about Cleveland, so go ahead. Well, no, I watched the Browns game, as you know, because I'm a Browns fan and have been for, uh, well, 70 years. <laughs> and there hasn't been much to cheer about since Jim Brown quit. So uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable. It was, uh, I didn't think they played that well, really. Um, I thought their quarterback was iffy at best. Second that, half, they were pretty good. Second half, they were second pretty half, good. They were pretty good. I mean, at 24-9, you thought it was over. And then well, boom. historically, you'd think so. You know, they're, they're not the kind of team, they haven't been the kind of team that can come back or doesn't do that in any regularity or with any regularity. But, uh, you know, and then when they missed the extra point after that, that touchdown, interception touchdown, I thought it was going to be, you know, 31-30. It was going to be one of those typical Cleveland uh, losses. But they got the ball back, moved down the field, kicked the field goal, and win the game. You know, it was uh, exciting as hell. And well, the and the and the double victory is is that the Bengals lost. Sure, I mean, I think all four teams in that division are no. still. Oh in yeah, the it's crazy. Theoretically, everybody's it's forgotten crazy. the Steelers, Bob. Everybody's forgotten the Steelers. Well, well guess no, who the I don't think play that, next. that good, but you never know. You know. There's Steelers six and three, I think now, right? Mm -hmm. Well, as I as I say, Cleveland wins on the road in, in Baltimore, and now goes home to play Pittsburgh uh, next Sunday. So, speaking of momentum, now the Steelers also also won to keep uh, pace. But yeah, that division is amazing, and and what Houston is doing, uh, is. C.J. Stroud is amazing uh, in uh, former Ohio State quarterback. Yep. <laughs> okay, it's all about make, Columbus. It's all about even better. One of my teams. Yeah. <laughs> make, make your day even better. Yeah, but, it was. But, boy, that morning uh, game uh, was. I mean, Bill Belichick couldn't even watch his quarterback in the last two minutes. Well, and, New um, England, New England stinks. You know, they can't do anything. Boy, and the and the in the evening game. Thank you very much. Uh, Jets and uh, and Raiders, but the afternoon was uh, was was really something. I mean, the NFL can be like that. John, go ahead. There's nothing better, right? Nothing better. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. It, yeah, and I I will tell you, as a guy who grew up, I'm not a fan now, but a guy who grew up as a Raider fan, you know, you know what they did even last night against the Jets. I don't know how many shots of Aaron Rodgers we can get in a television game, even though he's not playing. Um, to see what the Raiders being able to turn around now that they have a coaching staff that listens to the players a bit more, it's uh, it's fascinating. Do you guys think Rodgers will play again this year? He seems to say he's going to. De middle of December, he says. Yep. So I last 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 week of the season, last two weeks of the season. Uh, on a list of uh, interesting things, so late in the season, Aaron Rodgers playing or not playing is not on, not on my radar. <laughs> no, I guess not. 
Hey, um, so we, we just finished with Rob Longley. We were talking about the Jays. We're talking about the off season. Um, yeah. Your list of guys that they shouldn't re-sign, I think, is the same list that everybody else has now that you talked about a couple of weeks ago. I well, asked the maybe, but but uh, Varsho's on my list, and Varsho you know, Varsho's going to be the other. starting center fielder. That's what I hear. Yeah, and I don't my, like that. My que- my question to both Dave and Rob was. Do you do anything to the core? Do you do anything to Guerrero, Bichette, uh, Kirk, Jansen? Well, Kirk, yes, I trade Kirk. And um, and Biggio. Yes, I trade Biggio too. He's just, uh, you know, he's a 25th guy. That's all. That's all he is. He's so you're, not... you're calling for more change than most people than Bob. Well, I think I'd have changed uh, the outfield completely, except for Springer. I, you know, you might keep him. You're going to probably have to change third base. You're definitely going to have to figure out who your second baseman is. And I look for another catcher yeah. or maybe give one of the guys in the, in the uh, system a chance to play. Okay. So, the, and the other, the other question we talked about uh, to begin the show was where should the Jays be on Otani and where should the Jays be on Votto? Well, I don't think they're going to be in on Otani. I, I do think it's too much money. It'll be five hundred million, but I would love you know, Otani's maybe the best player. Well, he is the best player in all baseball, whether he can pitch or not. He can hit too, and he plays the outfield. He'd be the perfect right fielder for the Blue Jays. I mean, you can't get any better than him. And then you look ahead a year or so when he can pitch again, and uh, you know, the Blue Jays have good pitching right now, but. You put Otani in that rotation, boy, he's a great player. I'd pay him. I I don't I don't believe in paying guys that kind of money usually, but he's special. He's he's a special player. And and any any heartstrings uh, to bring Joey Votto to Toronto? Well, no, because Votto basically has always been a first baseman. We have a first baseman. We have several guys who can play first base. Oh, well, you say everybody can play first base? Anybody can. You could. And uh, uh, the problem with Votto is he didn't hit well enough last year to be a DH. Just didn't. He, what did he hit, 210 or something? Yeah. And uh, I'm not convinced he's got the bat still with him as he ages. So, no, I like Votto, and I would like him, like, would have liked him to be with the organization in years past, but not now. No, Bob. We skip. We skip past uh, your uh, no to Varsho in center field. Uh, there's nothing wrong with him in center field. I presume you don't like the idea that he's an everyday hitter. Well, I don't. I don't think he can hit, and uh, I like my outfielders have to hit. I didn't like the way the general manager set this team up at the beginning of the year, and I sure don't like it now as I look at it. And I don't think anybody else should. There's just no power at the corners. Well, there's no power anywhere in the outfield. And if you're going to have power hitters, that's where they have to be. You know, Where's- I think you've got to get a lot of offense from your outfield. Defense is nice, but does it win you games? I don't think it wins you as many games as all run well. You got to get so, more power from your first baseman, too. Well, that's true. I, I agree with that. But still, there's nothing in the outfield offensively. And, uh, including Springer. Springer didn't have a good year. So uh, I'm getting rid of our show if I can. 
I don't know how many teams will like him. I don't know whether they can get a good deal for him. But uh, I wouldn't have him in my outfield. I think they probably will. But I wonder if that's not the general manager just kind of saying, look, I, you know, I made a deal for this guy. I gave up. Uh, what did he give up for Varsho? They gave up. Uh, Marino and uh, Gurria. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you do that again? <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it in the first place. Me neither. Uh, Ross Atkins would. No, no. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Ross that Atkins was one of the would. worst trades the Blue Jays have ever made. No, Dalton, Dalton Varsho was cemented into this lineup because Ross Atkins would look awfully uh, foolish if he traded him. I agree. I think you're probably right, Dave. But uh, I would still do it. Okay. Well, there you go. There's the Bobcat. He's trading half the roster. Life is good. Not half, but a quarter. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And the Browns are winning, so life is good. Right, Bob? Yeah, can't, can't complain. Nope. All right. Good. Thank you, Robert. Okay, boys. Have a good day. Have a good that's week. Ma that's McCowan. That's Hodge. I'm Shannon. We'll talk to you tomorrow.